Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On this episode of Casa de Cambio, I'm so excited to be joined by Emily Edgley. Welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me. How's your week been? Oh, my week has been good. I've been a bit sick on the weekend, so I feel good that I'm just feeling a bit more healthy and I've got my energy back. Yeah, in time for the end of Melbourne lockdown number five as well. Yes. So yes. exciting to I be out. off my daughter as well, so... Oh, it's going to be an amazing weekend. So what are you going to do heading out? Uh, I think I'll be happy to do a lot of nothing, but I am going out for dinner <laughs> on Saturday night. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's it. That all sounds good. And um, for all the Sydney listeners, we're sorry. Uh, mm. <laughs> empathize a lot. Um, so today we're going to talk about storytelling and change and the importance of storytelling. Before we get into that, though, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest who comes onto the podcast. And the first one is, what are you currently watching, reading or listening to? Yes. So I just finished an amazing book called Do You Talk Funny by David Nahill. And it's so good because I've wanted to be a funnier public speaker for a while. i used to do Toastmasters and that was one of the niches that I went down and he makes it really easy to incorporate humor into the way that you're speaking and he does so by taking through his journey trying to do stand-up so yeah that was something that I just finished reading which was really really interesting and I just finished or I'm sort of halfway into watching the Brene Brown TED talk Oh yeah. I'm like super late to the party there, but um, (laughs) I've been wanting to watch it and I just started watching the other day and I was like, wow, her, it's, it's almost a whole story. Mm. Like, it's just fascinating. Actually, it's not, sorry, not the Ted talk, her Netflix movie. Oh, I didn't know she had a Netflix movie. Yeah. It's like a one hour it's like, it's a talk. She's giving a talk somewhere and it's like a Netflix special. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating. I'm going to check that out. I didn't know that. And I love Brene. So good recommendation. Thank you. Oh, so interesting. If it, it also connects to the topic of storytelling. So if anyone's interested to see storytelling in action, it's a really good one to watch. Yeah, great. And I'll make sure that that's included in the show notes for the listeners too. Um, and the other question is, what is the best career advice you ever received? Yes. So it wasn't really given to me as career advice as such. It was, I was reading a book by Carmine Gallo and he's a master on storytelling as well. And in, he's talking more about public speaking, right? Like when you're, when you're coming to do a talk or when you're picking a presentation, you have to be passionate about the topic. Like, and one of the things he says is you've got to be excited about it to get other people excited about it. But it's, when he starts talking about you need to find something that makes your heart sing. And of course, he's talking about it from the world of public speaking and, you know, talking about what makes your heart sing. But I remember when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh my God, like that's such a great way. It's like the um, Marie Kondo way of thinking about like, Mm. you know, get rid of any clothes that don't bring you joy. I was like, and at the time I was still in my corporate role And I was thinking to myself, does my corporate role make my heart sing? Mm. And it didn't. Yeah. And of course it was a great job. I was very well supported and very well paid, but it made me 
really rethink what I was doing and then go on to find what makes my heart sing. So even though it wasn't really in a book about careers and it wasn't sort of given to me as a career tip, that for me was a fundamental piece of advice that made me change what I was doing and led me to what I'm doing now. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really good point. Like advice can come from anywhere or something that speaks to you and resonates. It doesn't have to be a manager, you know, in your weekly one-on-one telling you something really profound. It can come from a song lyric or a book or a movie or, you know, anything that like one of mine that sticks with me and I've talked about it a few times on the podcast and even on other podcasts where I've been a guest is the movie Strictly Ballroom where she has that saying that a life lived in fear is a life half lived. And I think I saw that movie, like that movie's really old. Like, and so that has stuck with me ever since I was a kid. Yeah. 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 It's like, don't live your life in fear. Don't be scared of looking like an idiot or people laughing at you. Like you're going to look like, I'm going to look like an idiot no matter what I do. So I might as well at least have a crack. Exactly. And I think the really interesting thing about both of those is they're short. I'm just, Mm. I'm always fascinated by language and communication and what we remember and what we don't remember. And I think what is clear about those two things is they were short phrases that stuck in our minds and made an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Short, sharp, easy to remember. Um, Great. So moving on to the topic of storytelling. Yeah. So you are a storytelling master. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> expert <Uh-oh>. <laughs> you're like <laughs> um why and I'm a change professional and mm. I feel like when we're trying to bring about change it's really important to tell a compelling story but would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about why it's important oh my god yes so if I think about change there's sort of three really key aspects if I I always try and like chunk things down there's you've got to get people bought into the change in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, if you work in a large organization, you need to get funding and approval for a change, or it might not be money, but people need to understand the need for the change. Then people need to, at some point, you need to be able to explain what the impact's going to be, right? Like people Mm -hmm. are always interested in, okay, you're changing my tool or my process. What does this mean for me? Yeah. And then if you think about it, the sort of next thing that you need to think about is more, have we got the return on investment really? Mm. Like, isn't that one of the biggest challenges with change is you do something and it's like, did it actually work or did we get those benefits in the end? Yeah. Now, if you think about all of those, the best way to help people understand that is to humanize it and somehow connect the dots for people. So one of the things that I always talk about about storytelling is at its fundamental core, it's about showing the cause and effect to people. And in a lot of cases, we speak in this sort of like one dimensional way. And what I mean by that is if we're speaking about a change, if it's a tool or a process or a strategy or a framework or whatever it is, we generally spend a lot of time talking about the thing. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we might break the thing down into specific parts or sections or steps or factors, but we spend a lot of time just speaking about it in that one dimension. And 
what we need to do is give people some of the context of the before and the after, because that's really what people are interested in. And I did a post about this the other day. It's like, if you're selling someone a tool, know that what they care most about is what that tool can do for them. So don't sell them the, the tool as such, sell them what they can do with it. So a story is that answer to everything. A story mm. is more relatable than facts and figures. It's more memorable than facts and figures. And it's studies have proven time and time again that they're going to influence change more than, than facts and figures. So if you've just, I suppose, listened to all of that, it should be really obvious that storytelling has a massive place in the change management arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because I love facts and figures because I'm very analytical and a nerd, but I know that. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and I've, but I also, as a change practitioner, I've tried to um, get people to understand the why with facts and figures and yep. seen them just be pushed to the side so quickly and, you know, learnt that, yeah, that's, uh, some people might want the facts and figures that sit behind it. People who fund the project and, you know, hold the purse strings definitely do, but everybody else wants to understand the story and of why. Um, so the next question I wanted to ask you, I know that facts and figures um, clearly don't make a compelling story. What does make a compelling story? Yes. So I want to answer this by breaking it down into a few sort of different chunks. So it's like that sort of saying, you've got to be able to crawl before you can walk, right? So first you need to understand the most fundamental aspects of the story. And then I'm going to add on, how do you make that really compelling and engaging? So at its core, everyone needs to understand that most stories have a three-part structure. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. And I almost now like to think of it like a river and the beginning and the end are two sides of the river and the middle is the river itself. And so it's not so much like, yeah, a story sort of isn't like just this thing, this abstract thing. It's very much a, you're taking someone from A to B, mm. essentially. So if you think about the structure, the most important bits is the start and the finish, the either sides of the river. So if you think about, okay, there's a structure to a story, another really fundamental thing that people sometimes forget is a story needs to have characters. So if we think about the security in the tech world, you have to add humans into the mix for it to be relatable. Yeah. That is the constant thing that, that we all have in common is we're all humans. So if you add a human into the mix and you speak about how that's impacting the human either before or after your tool exists, then that's gonna make it a lot easier to understand. The other really fundamental bit is most stories are chronological. If you think about how we experience life, it's, it's you know, something happens, then something happens, then something happens. Yeah. Um, yes, some novels and movies will go, you know, back and forth in time, but it's a lot clearer if you can make your story chronological for people. Yeah, I'm not so, going to be doing Pulp Fiction or Memento no. for my storytelling of the change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very, very confusing. So if you think a three-part structure characters and then it has that chronological structure that's the really basic fundamentals of the story now if you want your story to be really compelling and you feel like you've got those aspects nailed then you need to realize this there's, there's sort of two aspects that make it really interesting for people one is can they picture themselves in your story 
-hmm. And the way that you can help people to picture themselves in your story is to use descriptive language. So think about the five senses and then to also um, use dialogue. So a really easy way for people to feel like they're there in the story is to use dialogue rather than summarizing what was said. And you can have inner dialogue or a dialogue between people. Then you need to make people care. And the way you make people care is to have some conflict or talk about like the emotions that the characters are going through. So help people picture it with descriptive language or dialogue and make people care with the conflict and the emotion. So yeah, there's, there's a few different factors, but I always try and teach my clients, like start with the basics first. If you can make sure you can tell a story that makes a clear point to people, then you can move on. It's like clear before clever. Yeah, yeah. No, they're all really, really good points. Very pragmatic and very actionable. I love that. Um, and so I guess you may have covered off part of this question already, but what tips do you have for beginners um, who are maybe thinking, yeah, I want to get better at telling that story? Yeah. Um, what are some baby steps they can take to improve their practice? Yes. So I will just reiterate what helped me on my journey because I'm very much a factual nerd as well. I did a pure <laughs> maths degree and a cybersecurity master's and I like black and white things and formulas. So hopefully this can resonate with people that are a bit like that as well. So the first thing that I found really helpful was to just start immersing myself in the world of storytelling and being really conscious and trying to analyze communication styles. So I did it from two different perspectives. I did it from, can I see what other people are doing? So whether it's people in work meetings, presentations, TED talks, TV ads, anything that you're already doing at the moment, are people telling stories or are people sharing information and what impact is it having on you? Because the more you can start to realize the power of stories and see how confusing it can be sometimes when people just give you information and how compelling it can be when they share a story. I think mm. that that was at least my first step because I was like, wow, these people are so much more powerful and impactful and they're motivating, motivating me to act because they're sharing a story. And God, these people are boring me to tears because they're just sharing information. So mm. that was a, a part of just sort of being really aware of the differences. Then the next step that I took was actually to write stories. So yes, I did do Toastmasters and I did an advanced storytelling series where I got to share stories and get feedback, but I also found it really easy to write stories on social media. So I, I had a way to practice that didn't feel as daunting as sharing the stories. So, you know, I might have a really interesting experience and then I would share that story on social media or I would be wanting to make a point and I would try and think about what story can prove this point is valid mm. and correct. The, the last thing that I also then did was just try to practice as much as I could. So, you know, if I had work presentations, use a story. In mm. fact, I didn't have a heap of work presentations and one of the things I did was just force myself to present by presenting on stories. And that's essentially how I started doing 
what I was doing in the first place because I started these workshops in lunchtime sessions. So I would say, <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, to summarize, analyze storytelling. Then if you can um, get as much practice as you can writing, that's a really safe way to hone your skills and then practice, practice, practice telling them. Good. Good. Yeah, there's a lot there. I'm, I laughed at your um, share of how your kind of whole storytelling persona started as a brown bag lunch and learn because um, mm. my workshop started as a brown bag lunch and learn as well. Oh. <laughs> I did an intro to change and some stuff on resistance to change and a few other things um, just to help upskill other people in my business unit. And yeah. then I started doing it as freebies for clients. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should stop doing that because I think they might be valuable and I'll put them out publicly. And then COVID happened. And so I was like, oh, you got the time now to yeah. put that all together. So it's it, it's so funny how something that you start doing really just as, you know, an act of goodwill or something yeah. that you're trying to get better at yourself. So you might as well just share your journey with others ends up becoming a core part of who you are yeah and I think in a way it's nicely wrapped us all the way to the start in terms <laughs> of that comment that career advice I had around following or finding what makes your heart sing I think if you continually do what you enjoy and I'm sure you enjoyed it otherwise you wouldn't have done it in the first place and same for me it yeah it never started as something that I wanted to get paid for it just started because mm. I love helping people and I wanted to practice my own skills and I felt like that was the best way to combine both of them and then yeah you never know what will happen but I think you're, you're generally guaranteed that something good will happen if you follow what really makes your heart sing and are there any people that you think are really good at storytelling who you follow on social media or whose books you read. I know I asked at the beginning, what are you currently watching, reading or listening to, but are, are there any good people on LinkedIn or other socials that you recommend people follow as examples of good storytelling? Oh yes, completely. So one of my favorites is a lady named Kendra Hall. So she's in the US and she's mostly on Instagram mm -hmm. and she does amazing everyday storytelling. So almost all of her posts are her telling a story about something that's happened in her day, which can seem like an absolutely nothing important and very, very boring encounter, but you'll find a way to pull out the lesson from it in a way that it's relevant to everyone. So she would be one of my favorites. And she also has a book called Stories That Stick. Cool. Which is, is amazing. So that would be one. Um, I would say on... I'm just trying to think on LinkedIn. There's a guy that I have followed before called Neil Bearden. Mm -hmm. And he has the most incredible video, which is a story of two people going for an interview and the differences between their style. One shares information and one shares story. And then you get to see how that unfolds. And it's, it's a must watch. It's only a few minutes long, but they would be two people that I admire a lot. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks for the additional tips. And I think storytelling, um, you mentioned interviews. I think storytelling is really applicable to nailing an interview as well, because you said before how a story needs to have 
a start, a middle and an end. Yeah. And when we think about interviews, you need to have your situation, the task, the action, the result, which is, you know, really like a start, middle and end. Like what was the situation? What did you do? Which is the middle? And what was the result? End of the story. And a lot of people get, they, a lot of people get stuck on the situation, <laughs> which is the start. And yeah. they talk about the situation and don't quite get to what did I do and, you know, the result. And I've done that. Like I've been in the interview once and I went, oh, I started on the situation and then I realized that I'd been impacted by a restructure halfway through the projects. <laughs> I went, oh, this story actually ends with me being impacted by a restructure and sitting in this interview. <laughs> I said, can I pick another one? <laughs> and luckily the people interviewing me thought it was really funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'd nailed all the other questions but I went I started I went oh because whatever the you know example was was a great example but there was no I realized halfway through I was like shit there's no end to this story <laughs> yeah. no I know it's it can be really hard to take what was a physical experience and turn it into something short and sharp especially when it when it can span or, or be a story from years ago, especially when they ask mm. as well, like what's your career story or something like that, trying to wrap up decades of your life into a few minutes can yeah. be really challenging. I think the best advice I've ever sort of read around that is to give people the moments. And, and the only way I can bring that to life quite easily is by giving an analogy of, if you imagine that you're in a helicopter flying over your life, you mm. don't want to, you don't want to tell the story from up in the helicopter. You want to hover over until you found a really interesting point in your life, zoom down and almost you're like almost touching the ground and you can see it recount that moment. And then if you need to go back up and zoom ahead in time and come back down to another moment, but never tell the story from the perspective up in the helicopter. Okay. That's another good one. Great. Mm. Thank you. Um, and so where can people get more Emily? Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. And if you type in Emily Edgley with E-D-G-E-L-E-Y, you'll find me on all three. I have That's all right. I'll share the handles in the show notes. So I'll make yeah. sure people can get in touch. And do you have any speaking engagements or anything like that coming up? I have a few speaking engagements. The ones that are open to the public are my powerful presenter and my captivating storyteller group programs. They both start again in September. So if people are interested in either of those, then they can let me know. Wonderful. And do you have any parting words of wisdom before we wrap up the podcast? Oh, my parting words of wisdom would be Instead of sharing facts and figures with people, find a way to share a story. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I think if there's any key takeaway, that's the one. And I need to do better at that as well. So it's a timely reminder. Well, Emily, I've had such a blast chatting to you about storytelling today on the podcast. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and all of your advice on Casa de Cambio. Oh, no worries. Thank you. I always love to talk about storytelling. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. And for the listeners, we will be back soon with another episode. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to write a review and give us a five-star rating. Bye-bye now.